Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls, and if you want to advertise with us, you can email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. And, Cody, we are about three weeks until the draft, and we still have no idea who the Bulls are going to take. Yeah, but the mock drafts have an idea. And that's what's most they have multiple ideas. important in America right now is you got to do your mocking and reading of your mock drafts. So, um, because we are trailblazers... And I don't mean that in the basketball sense, team nickname. I'm from just, Portland. Just literally blazing out. a path here. I am from Portland. You so are from Portland, of. so um, you got that um, covered from every angle. Like we are, <laughs> what we compiled the the twelve most respected mock drafts on the internet. Is that a fair way to put it? Twelve of the mock drafts that are going to be right, and by that I mean hopefully maybe one of them's. Right, or something like that? Well, I think one of them is going to be right at some point, because out of these 12 mock drafts that we looked at, there were nine different guys that they had the Bulls selecting. I mean, there were some teams where, like, you can tell, like, obviously all the mock drafts have the have the uh, Celtics Markel. taking Markel Fultz at one. Most of them have the Lakers taking Lonzo Ball. A lot of those ones in the top ten, like, it's pretty set, like, who's going to take who in terms of the... Like, it, the Kings need a point guard, Right, they're going to take De'Aaron Fox, or, you know, the Knicks, or with Dennis Smith, or whoever, but, like... When it gets to the Bulls, the Bulls are always, and it's worth pointing out that last year, and it's become kind of a, like a tradition on draft night that Woj always, Woj and Shams and whoever else always leak all the picks beforehand. The Bulls were the only pick. Out Bulls, of any pick of the 60, I believe. Out of the, out, well, the only one out of 60 picks in the in the draft last year that nobody leaked it before they drafted Your Denzel Valentine. pick at number 14. They are really hard. Like, I've asked around, like, because I've been getting the press releases from other teams. I've been seeing it on Twitter. Teams are starting these pre-draft workouts. They're saying, you know, they're, they're, they're telling you who they're going to bring in and when. And these teams cast a wide net with these workouts. They're going to bring in, you know, 10, 20, 30 The Lakers have, like, six days on Memorial Day. I'm like, it's a holiday, LA, and you're going to take, like, Lonzo Ball. What are you doing here? Right, but they're just, you know, <laughs> they're working out a whole bunch of guys you know, they're, they're sending out press releases saying when they're going to work out which guys. Some of them even have media availability. The Lakers account was, like, tweeting out picks. I've asked around. I've tried to find out who the Bulls are bringing in for a workout, and there is nothing. Like, no nobody in the organization will tell me anything. And it's just, like, it just goes, there's every single thing with this organization is a state secret. It's hilarious. Yeah, it is. But the part that's nice is that three of the mock drafts have the Bulls taking Luke Kennard, the Duke wing who more than anything would provide shooting at what 40 percent 41 percent clip from three-point range i think last year for duke um he was on three of the most 12 respected mock drafts that we uh that we browsed and the other names were well they're all over the map donovan mitchell of louisville who i believe according to some reports out of louisville is supposed to work out with the bulls sometime in the future which the future is well i mean wide-ranging Per se, wouldn't be a shock because uh, he is a guy that fits the bill. For them, obviously, Justin Jackson, who we talked about, the North Carolina wing, um, with a little more size. There's Justin Patton, the Creighton center. Jordan Bell even was on there, the Oregon big man who didn't box out in the national championship. Most expect him to be a late first rounder, early second rounder. Um, he went in a ringer draft 
mock draft to the Bulls. There was uh, John Collins, the Wake Forest big man. Terrence Ferguson, the Australian guard, was on there from yours truly. I shouldn't say yours truly, but alongside me, Sean Hyken, right here of the Athletic. Yeah, the Athletic tease, mock draft. Tease the Athletic mock draft. The Athletic mock draft is coming out tomorrow. Me and Stefano collaborated on it. We each made some of the picks. Uh, it's going to be good. You're going to want to check it out. Now, the thing that... Uh, you have to keep in mind with a lot of these mock drafts is that not all of them have the same criteria because some of them are like the like the Chad Ford one at ESPN and then like Draft Express and some of those other ones like that are you know at the more kind of traditional outlets are from like reporters who talk to executives and talk to scouts and they're doing it based on you know this is who we think based on what we've heard this is who we think they might actually look at this is what we think is actually going to happen whereas some of the ones like the Ringer ones or like the one that Sam Bassini our friend did at Sporting News or more like, this is who I would pick if I was each of these teams. And it's more a little bit, you know, a little bit off the beaten path. So, like, it's important to keep in mind that part of why this is all over the place is some of it is based on actual chatter around the league, and some of it is just based on analysis. So, like, there's not there's not really... Mock drafts are such an exact, inexact science anyway. Yeah, and certainly, I think when we talk about this, we should talk about it through the prism of the Bulls and knowing how they've operated through the years, which is... Just another way of saying they've leaned heavily on veteran college players who are a little more established, who they view as being able to help them immediately. That's obviously been the pattern and the MO in the past. Do you think the Bulls will rely on that again, business as usual, or do you think anything they've done, the signs pointing to them understanding the need to get younger and more athletic and needing to follow through on that, in the draft, a season after they took Denzel Valentine, who wasn't more athletic, do you think they are more willing to take a risk on like a college freshman or a guy like Terrence Ferguson, who you predicted uh, they could take in the mock draft, who was in Australia last year playing professionally in a reduced role but has a really bright future and potential? Do you see that being more likely this year than maybe in years past? Well, it's hard to get a read on, though, Cody, because uh, Casey Johnson at the Tribune did a mailbag last week where he actually thinks, and he's as well-connected in the organization as anybody, he thinks that they're actually going to maybe go away from what they've been doing the last several years this year in terms of, you know, they... they the Valentine, Doug McDermott types. Bobby Portis, yeah. uh, whoever else. Uh, even Tony Snell is, you know, not a, not a, not a one-and-done guy. He, he thinks they might actually go away from that and, you know, lean more towards, you know, taking a younger guy with upside and athleticism, someone who might be kind of raw early on. Doesn't Luke Kennard just fit into the old mold, though? That would be such a... Been at Duke a few years, and let's be honest, he's not that athletic whatsoever at all. He's a shooter, you know what I mean? That's I mean, what he is. I mean a white shooter from a major program, so you're basically looking at Doug McDermott 2.0, except maybe they wouldn't have to give up five first five draft picks to get him. Yeah, most of the most more of those draft picks were second rounders and first rounders there, so there is that going. Right, forward. but it's still <laughs> like like that that would be that would be that Luke Kennard and Justin Jackson I think would be the two most predictable Bulls picks just in terms of the way they've done things the last couple of years. Big, you know, multiple year college guys from major programs, not great athletes. Donovan Mitchell is a guy that is a better athlete, and ESPN's mock draft had the Bulls taking him. Um, to me, he would he and Terrence Ferguson would fall a little more into the risk um, side of this, breaking the mold, I guess you could say, um, because they're guys that might not be quite as polished, mm-hmm. but 
Um, didn't have as big of a roles for their teams as some of these other guys. I mean, you take a guy like Denzel Valentine. I mean, he was the go-to player for Michigan State for several years and, like, the focal point of the entire Big Ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you take these other guys who haven't shown what their ceiling necessarily could be and also haven't had the chance to do that. I, that's the way I would go. I don't know if that would be Terrence Ferguson. I don't know. If that would be Donovan Mitchell, I don't know. Jarrett Allen, a guy from Texas who they interviewed and I think they plan uh, to work out, and who another one of these mock drafts, I think, let me check here, uh, had the Bulls uh, taking, Sports Illustrated had him going uh, to the Bulls. Guys like that would represent, I think, a fundamental shift for the Bulls. And, you know, there's another way of looking through the prism on this. If you take that guy... You've already basically told everyone you're kind of going to run the same team back next year, right? Yeah. Like, 2017-18 for the Bulls is its own isolated season, okay? No matter who you draft, you're not winning an NBA title because you draft them. No matter who you draft, you're not advancing two rounds farther in the playoffs because you drafted them. So, doesn't it make sense... To get a guy in there for a year who will have a really small role and then can blossom in two or three years from now and start making inroads as a difference maker rather than next year when you've already said run it back. Like, why do you need, why do you need to give Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo like this seventh man who can really help them immediately? Who cares? You know, who cares if they have one more shooter for next year when? the big picture for the Bulls needs to be in mind. And you can have a Terrence Ferguson, a Donovan Mitchell, someone with more upside that has a chance to blossom three years from now when just replace Dwayne Wade. And, in a, you know, and also if they draft somebody like that who's you know, a, a high upside, you know, long-term project type of pick who's not going to play a lot right now, he's probably going to spend most of the season in the D-League anyway, the way that you know, yeah, Darren Graham spends yeah, some time he, in the D-League. Probably go back and forth, yeah. You know, spent some time in the D-League. Uh, Jaron Grant did, Paul Zipser did, uh, Denzel Valentine did, Cameron Payne did. All these guys spend time in the D-League. If you're drafting a guy like one of those guys, you know, like, like a Terrence Ferguson, who you think isn't ready right now, that's why you have a D-League team. If you draft him and say, look, we think, we believe in this guy long-term, we think he's not ready to contribute a lot of minutes right now, go have him play most of the year in the D-League. Certainly. wanted to let you know today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for all the games, concerts, shows you want to see up close and in person. There's nothing like being in the stadium arena for the biggest plays and shows of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. You can be anywhere, anytime with a few clicks. Instantly find seats for this weekend's games or any point later in the season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because it price compares by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices vary. Depending where you shop, but SeatGeek always finds you the lowest available price, and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is giving a grade score based on value. You see the underpriced seats and those that will best fit your budget. Plus, every ticket's 100% guaranteed, so shop with confidence. Here's what we need Locked on Bulls listeners to do. Download the SeatGeek app, click add a promo code, use promo code LOBULLS, just how it sounds, LOBULLS, and SeatGeek will give you $20 off your first ticket purchase with promo code LOBULLS. Wanted to make one more point to that, Sean. The Bulls have lauded Rajon Rondo so much. 
have said it's highly likely they pick up his option, full option, bring him back for next year. Isn't that a guy like you want maybe a raw player to be around? You know what I mean? Like now's the time where I know all young guys need need mentors, but like if there's a time to take a risk on a guy and need leadership and you're wondering can we provide it to him? Well, Rondo's still here for another year and you put a lot of eggs in Rondo's basket and lauded him for that. And, I mean, it's not just management lauding him. It's the whole organization and players and teammates. Like, doesn't that even make more sense to go that way? Absolutely. And, you know, Ron- Rondo, like, his main value at this point is as a mentor. You know, I know they played better with him towards the end of the year. But, you know, he- the reason that, you know, there's, there's this thought now around the organization that he's going to be back next year is because all the young players love him. He took on kind of that mentorship role with all of them. And, yeah, you know, bringing a guy like that, if you're going to keep Rondo – Bring in a guy who's raw and young and needs to learn, you know, it's a good environment to put him into. Uh, certainly. It's question time now. Want to take questions? Yeah, let's get some questions. I know, I know this is what people want. Hunter asks, what would be the stupidest pick the Bulls could make at number 16? Within reason, of course. Like, I'd love to know what, like, Hunter's definition of within reason is because, like, as Jimmy Butler once, should I say famously or infamously said, yeah. nothing surprises me with this organization. Um, so what, what's the, uh, what's the stupidest pick they could make? You got one? I mean, I guess you can just say, I mean, I, there was a couple and the guys that we talked about already, basically. Now, not that they're necessarily bad players, but like Luke Kennard and Justin Jackson are two that if they take those, you can just look at it and be like, that's just the most bulls thing possible. No, I mean, I think it would be to reach, obviously. I mean, that, that draft had Jordan Bell going. I, I don't think there's any reason... To reach in that regard, Monty Morris. Um, I was he's projected second rounder, or even if that Iowa State guy. Um, I don't know. I I go. I guess I would probably tilt if the Bulls take a center within reason. You say Justin Patton, the freshman from Creighton, a talented guy. A lot of people like him, but you got Chris Felicio. And you still have Jimmy Butler, and the NBA still tilts toward three-point shooting. To me, it doesn't make great sense to take a center. So a guy like Justin Patton, I'd be a little confused by. Harry Giles. Harry Giles, I think, the Duke kid who had injury problems, is a better all-around basketball player, I think. More talented, a higher ceiling, can do more offensively from what I understand and maybe fits the modern NBA better uh, again I don't claim to be a draft expert but that that's a real high ceiling pick you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um and I know I guess I just mentioned Jared Allen too um and he's a center another high upside guy but I would probably frown upon taking a center just because I think you can sign Chris Felicio to a four-year deal and He's going to be reliable. I think he's going to keep improving. And it's not so much that I expect Chris Felicio to be a difference maker. It's that I think you can get fair value for the money you give him and then use bigger dollars elsewhere on difference makers. I guess if it's a draft pick, you have him under a rookie contract scale. Uh-huh. It's not big money yet, but I, I just feel like you got a good young center. You got another reliable one. In Lopez, who you know is going to play 81, 82 games probably. Yeah. 82 if he doesn't get into a fight. 81 if he takes a swing at Serge Ibaka. Um, but that that would be a little quizzical. 
to me. And also, I mean, I, I would lean towards a shooter and a wing. Okay, the dumbest pick? The dumbest pick is if you get somebody that doesn't fit Fred Hoiberg's system. There you go. Sure. Uh, do that, and that's really dumb. So any sort of plotting big man, um, if they draft another player who can't shoot well for his position, they deserve to probably be roasted. Okay? So I guess that doesn't directly answer it. I'm not going to throw a bunch of college kids under the bus here. Um, but someone who doesn't fit Fred Hoiberg's system um, would be really dumb, in my opinion. And look, NBA coaches don't last a long time. Like This was the first year in a long time no one got fired, right? But it, prior to that, the reason no one got fired this year is because like the last two years, NBA coaches were like getting fired at record rates, right? Yeah. So like we know they're hired to be fired. But that said, Fred is your coach. Um, they're not backing him up very well publicly, but they are still supporting Fred. Like, do more to support him, draft a player that can fit him, if not next year as a immediate contributor, like someone who fits the system a couple years um, down the road. Pat via Locked on Bulls on Twitter asks, any chance the Bulls try to draft a point guard, or would their belief in Cameron Payne not make that an option? I don't think they really believe that strongly in Cameron Payne at this point. But don't they have to give him every opportunity? They have to. I mean, they do, but, like, if or, if if somebody falls to them, I don't know who that would even be, because I think all the good point guards in this draft are going to be gone by the time they get to their pick. But if they have an opportunity, they're not going to pass. I don't think they're going to pass up on taking a point guard they think they, that they think can be good by... Just saying, hey, because you know Cameron Payne is here, so we don't. Because because who are their point guards going to be? Like Ron, Rondo's only going to be here for one more yeah, year. Two more, two years from now, who's who's in the picture? Right, Rondo and Jaron Grant. Rondo's going to be their point guard for one more year. Jaron Grant is still going to be around, we think. Uh, Payne is, we think, is still going to be around. MCW is not going to be back. Well, two years from now, I don't know if Cameron Payne will still. Be yeah, around. well, Cameron Payne still be in the league in two years. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, kind of feel like I'm solo on. Jaron Grant Island here. I'm on Jaron Grant Island. Well, I was on it a little more, but... You're on it more strongly, but I have... The playoffs didn't help my case whatsoever, but I remain undeterred. I just want that to be known. You own... I have a rental property. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of land to go around, because the island doesn't have many residents. That's fair to say. Kind of like one of those private islands that rich people get. Except, I just... We gotta locate our island on a map still, but... um, Yeah, Jaron Grant, I I, I still hold out. Uh, hope from him because of the flashes he showed while playing alongside Jimmy Butler and having a role. Having a role is important. Fred didn't give him that. Management pointed out that they didn't give play- he didn't give players like Jaron Grant a role. So I would like to see Jaron Grant have a consistent role, and I think he can fit in as... I, I feel like I've said in the past he could be a starter alongside Jimmy Butler. Ideally, you don't want... You're not winning a championship with Jaron Grant as a starter, I don't think. So, obviously, a role player rotation guy, more the case, but nonetheless, still have hope there. Shay asks via Twitter, are the Bulls looking to move up in the draft? And, piggybacking that, is there a player they might have on their roster with enough enough value to pair with the number 16 pick to move up into the top 10? Wanted to point out, the top 10's where those five, six really good point guards are expected to go and be done by. So there is a steep decline, I think, kind of in talent after that top 10, 11, 12, probably. If the Bulls can get any of those stud point guards, and Fultz and Ball will be long gone, obviously. Um, Fox should probably be gone, too, but then there's Dennis Smith at NC State there, obviously. Um, they 
they should do that and not worry about Cameron Payne at all. But, like, I don't see any path to them getting into the top ten. Neither do I. There's another question uh, that ties into this a little bit. What can the Bulls offer for that first-round Pistons pick reportedly being available? Yeah, there was the there, there, yeah, there was a report recently. I think it was from Mark Stein, but it was from somebody re- re- reputable that basically... The number 12 pick? The number 12 pick that Stan Van Gundy wants, like a more win-now player. He's willing to move that pick. And right. I think both of these questions just kind of go back to the same thing, which is that the Bulls have not done a good job evaluating young talent because I'm looking at these young guys that they have. None of them I'm looking at and saying, yeah, this guy, you know, they could package this guy with their pick and move up. Like, none of these guys I think are good enough. Bobby Portis, Denzel Valentine, Jerry and Grant, whoever. I don't think any of those guys are good enough that they can package them and move up in the draft. I don't either. Um... Like a guy like Felicio is in a weird spot too because he's about to enter a restriction. Well, right, they, they can't trade him. Yeah, and Zipser, I think they don't want to trade. And they don't want to trade Zipser. You're absolutely correct about that. They should keep him um, because they need some contract control and they need some. He's just, making less than two million dollars yeah, each year for the next. Three they years. need reliable guys they can count on to like just be in their rotation that uh-huh. are cheap, and he's already proved to do that. So letting go of him would be weird. Like Zipser would actually probably be. The prime player to do that with. How, what, what, does Theoretically, that, what does it say that Paul Zipser has the most trade value out of any of their young More guys? than Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine, I would think. More than their last two first More than Jaron Grant, that's for sure. More than Cameron Payne and Jaron Grant, for sure. I more, than, more than the four guys on their roster who were first-round picks in the last two years. Yeah, I. Do you think there's rival executives out there who value Bobby Portis more highly still? And Paul Zipser thinking he has a higher ceiling. I mean, I'm sure he's a guy where, like, if they put it out there that he was available, some team, I don't, some team would say, hey, you know, we think he has talent and we think he could be better for us than he was for the Bulls. I just don't know if you're getting like a high pick for him, or even, you know, I think even a late first at this point might be too much to expect in return. Yeah, um, I've been talking about all those good point guards a lot. The others are Frank Natilakina. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a, it's a. You say the N or is it silent? I know I'm not even sure. I think it's Natilakina. Um, highly, highly touted um, point guard who played in France, I believe. Yeah. Most recently, and then Malik Monk is a, a combo guard that gets thrown in that billing when Malik Monk say. gets buckets. Yeah, he's not going to create a ton of buckets. He's not going to create any buckets for teammates in the style of like Steve Nash or anyone. But I mean, just kind of the trickle down effect of him getting buckets in just contorting defenses would get others. And look, he's he's proved to be at times a willing passer when need be, although his first thing he wants to do is shoot the ball and shoot the ball and shoot the ball. Um, but that's a guy like a talent if you hop up into the top six or seven, I think it would be justified to take a guy like Malik Monk. I just don't see any player the Bulls could possibly offer, like you pointed out, Sean, um, to jump that high in there and the Pistons uh, rumor getting floated. Twelfth, like, I... I mean, I, the Pistons might take somebody to move down from 12 to 16. I just don't know who are the Bulls exactly they would want, other than maybe Paul Zipser, who the Bulls um, want to hang on to. Uh, we'll wrap it up with this, too. After his rookie year, how do you guys feel about Denzel Valentine's first season, and how do you feel about him moving forward as a prospect and, uh, I guess, role player from here on out. Well, I feel the same way about his rookie season that I feel about most of these young guys, which is that we have no idea what he can or can't do because he didn't get any kind of a consistent role. 
Now, as far as going forward, you know, I, I think he can be good. I think he can be a shooter, like obviously a ball handler. But, I, you know, I think he can be a productive player in the NBA. I don't want to say a starter, but I think he can be a rotation player. I like I like his fearlessness. He shot a lot of big shots. Oh, he will he will put the shots up. Um, And I don't think he ever missed a big shot because he was afraid to shoot it or afraid of the moment. He missed some big shots because he is a streaky shooter at times, and sometimes he just goes cold. And sometimes he shoots... Uh, very ambitious shots would be the best way to put it, probably. And, you know, he hit some other really big shots. I still think you can point back to that Hawks win at home where the Bulls came back in the fourth quarter. He hit two really big threes in the final, like, what, six or seven minutes, probably, uh-huh. um, that were some tough shots. And there were some moments like that this year where he made uh, shots like that. I, he's got to give the Bulls something off the dribble, at the rim, in the paint, as a passer to teammates. He, if he pump faked his three, about the only other thing that was going to happen was a tough floater that he shot. And so he either has, he needs to get a lot better at those two, but he would shoot a tough floater and he might kick it out to a teammate, but it was, to me, it would feel like it was a little disjointed. You know what I mean? Not quick enough, not natural enough to have someone have a wide open shot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so he's got to be more multidimensional. I think he sees the floor well. And I do think um, he proved at Michigan State to be a willing passer, too, like a triple-double threat guy, which is a lot easier to do, as Denzel pointed out, when the ball's in your hands all the time as opposed to when you're a spot-up shooter. It's a really big transition from him, too, being like a college player of the year front-runner there and the focal point of an entire blue-blood basketball program. And then going and being a spot-up shooter at times for the Bulls who got the ball when Jimmy and D-Wade felt like it. You know? That was difficult. So, again, you mentioned role. Um, I still, I don't think he projects as a difference maker that the Bulls need to get to the next level. I think he can project as a rotation guy and as a shooter who can, uh, if he improves, he has to put in the work. He's got to put in the time. Uh, he's got to get on the same page with kind of just coaches in the system. they got to give him a chance. I, I think he can still certainly be a rotation guy and helpful for the Bulls. In years to come. We're going to wrap it up with this, though. We're recording Wednesday night, eve of the NBA Finals. Um, get your Twitter jokes. It's been 417 days since the last NBA game was played. Get them in here now. Yeah. Because uh, by the time you listen to this, you'll Finals might have started or they will be on tap. Um, but two things. We wanted to give our Finals um, predictions between the Cavs and Warriors playing in the NBA Finals for the third consecutive year. First time in NBA history that we've had the same matchup. Three years in a row. There's only been one time in the history of the th- four major sports that the same two teams have played each other three times in a row in the championship uh, series. And do you know what that is? Hockey. No, baseball. Mm-hmm. 1921 to 23, the Yankees and the at the time New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Giants won the first two. The Yankees won in 1923. I thought there might have been a hockey thing. Nope. Too. I looked um, it up. Noah, though, before we share our prediction, Noah just wants to know. And we might have to do this hand in hand. He asked us on Twitter. Instead of your predictions, because apparently Noah doesn't want to bet on our predictions or go against the grain here against ours, he just wants to know what the defining moment of the NBA Finals is going to be. But I feel like that we're going to give it away, you know, when we say what our defining moment is. So there you go, Sean. The the stage is yours. What's the defining moment, and who's going to win? How many games? Where's the NBA Finals uh, turn on in the series? My my finals pick is uh, Warriors in five. Warriors in five. Warriors in five. I just I think they're so much more talented. I think they're you know 
you only need to get one. Or I know Clay Thompson has been bad in this series. I think you know you need to get one game out of him. Steph and Durant will be able to kind of figure everything else out. Uh, Draymond doesn't have the flagrant points where he's going to get suspended. I, good job, Draymond. That is that's cute. Yeah, that's, that's good. Cute. That's good. Like I think that. Uh, Did you see what he said about that? That question got brought up immediately. Yeah, he saw that. And he said, "I'm a big believer in shit happens." <laughs> like that's a Nicoism. That's true. That is when he got benched. Ni- Nico, uh, that, that, that is great. And, I forgot. And like, so, so yeah, that's. Uh, What's I the think, defining moment though? So here, what, what are the keys to the series? I would defining say moments. okay. So here's so here's my. Now I won't say defining moment as much as I think this is going to be the year that it happens. I think the Warriors are going to win the title and LeBron is going to win Finals MVP. I think oh, he should have okay. won it in 2015, but I think he's yeah. going to this time. I was think, that the year? Did Iguodala? The Iguodala yeah. won that. Yeah, I was there. Iguodala won that year. LeBron. I think stretches. the Warriors are going to win the title, but I think LeBron is going to just be unbelievable in this series. And it, I'm going to point out a logical hole here in your your argument. Okay. There's no way LeBron's going to win Finals MVP if they lose in five. It's got to go seven or six really good hard-fought games. Like, you you said they're going to roll. Like, unless LeBron's throwing up 48, 14, and 12 every game. Would you put that past him, though? I don't put anything past LeBron at this point. I don't. Um, I just don't. I think that's why it's unlikely based on the Warriors in five. Defining moment, just uh, crazy stuff, Curry three-pointer or what? Sure. Steph and KD hugging each other, half court. Uh yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm 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 I don't I don't <laughs> predictions are not really my. Sound like Brian Windhorse. Yeah. Don't you don't want to give predictions, but then you, you kind of still end up doing. Um, great so ESPN.com writer is not fond of making predictions himself. Uh, we're really fond about making predictions to other teams here in the NBA and uh, stuff like that. I'm going. I think the Warriors are supremely talented compared to the Cavs. Their ceiling, the Cavs can't reach. The one thing I'll say about the Cavs is that they played really lackadaisical basketball for long stretches in the regular season because I just think they didn't care and because LeBron paced himself Uh and we sometimes fall into the hole or the crutch of saying their defense, you know, was really bad and isn't that good, which it was really bad after, what, January 1st? Yeah. But when the Cavs apply themselves and try for a full series, they are several levels above anything they showed in the regular season and can render everything they did in the regular season moot. For that reason, I think it's going to be a great series and not Warriors in five. I have Warriors in seven. Okay. Home court advantage, man, mattering big time. Warriors win game seven by ten-ish, somewhere around there. And if you want a defining moment, I got Kevin Durant hitting a big three-pointer or a jump shot, maybe over LeBron in the last six minutes of the game. Something like that, that even if it's not the dagger, even if it doesn't seal it, feels like a huge moment. Feels like we were building to this Durant versus LeBron point that what we saw in 2012 for the first time and KD wasn't quite ready in Oklahoma City at that stage, um, in that spotlight when they were so young and LeBron won his first title. I think KD and the Warriors get LeBron this time. I think the series tilts. Um, the, the key, I do think, is KD and LeBron, the matchup. Because Kyrie has proved last year, even though Steph was hampered um, by that leg, 
after he got it rolled in an earlier series. It was his ankle, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kyrie is going to play really well and can hold Steph at bay and, and kind of make that a wash. And when I say hold him at bay, I mean they each can score 30, you know, on the other. Uh, if LeBron gets the better of Kevin Durant for a full series and is clearly the better player and making a difference over him, and he's going to have to guard Durant, he can't play free safety like last year. Somebody's got to guard Durant. Right. And it's probably going to have to be LeBron for, if not long stretches, at least some important stretches. Um, and he's got to apply himself more. If KD makes that close to a wash, it's Warriors. And I think he's going to get close to that. Though LeBron is still the best player in the series, the best player in the NBA. Um, I just don't think he's going to be quite transcendent enough over all the Warriors stars to get it done. So Warriors in seven in the rubber match for these guys in a really good series. And I think it'll help LeBron's legacy and add to it. Wait, why don't I throw a twist in there too and just say LeBron gets the finals MVP for that in seven? I guess I didn't think about that until you just brought it up. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I whatsoever. genuinely think he should have won the finals MVP in 2015. If I had a vote in that, I would have voted yeah. for him. A lot of them did. I think like four out of the 11, I think like it was nine I mean, people. they were up 2-1 in the game yeah. the Warriors won was in overtime or really close, right? Yeah, and LeBron was three. incredible in that series. That series should have been a sweep after Kyrie went down. Yeah, that was... I think that was maybe LeBron at his most cerebral yeah. and smartest as a basketball player. Because he, like, set the pace in that series. And, like, just, it kind of felt like, for a football analogy, like, running the ball three yards in a cloud of dust in that series. And the Warriors obviously got in flow in the last three games of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did so good at controlling the game with a severely under man team back in 2015 and then he's brilliant again last year but just like I think people when they watch LeBron often overlook how smart he is he is just brilliant and he knows how to affect games in different ways not just with his playmaking and strength and ability but um just his his mental skill set uh as well that that few other players in NBA history boast which is yet another reason he's one of the greatest ever and trying to brandish that legacy is maybe the greatest ever. It would help a lot to beat the Warriors in this series. So we're rooting for a fun NBA Finals. Um, we'll stick with you on Locked On Bulls. We'll come back maybe late this weekend, early next week, with an episode of some sort. Um, talk a little more draft. Always appreciate your questions, too. We we're had gonna, no hard Bulls news today. but Absolutely none. We're going we're gonna to ramp it up a little bit more in terms of frequency. We've been doing it once a week the last couple of weeks. We're going to ramp it up a little bit more as the draft gets closer. and then More hot takes the closer we get to draft. More though. hot takes because once we actually have stuff to react to, once they're going to draft somebody, and then we're leading up to free agency. Really busy week for the, the Bulls there. What, the 22nd is the draft? Yep. they got to make, I think it's... June 27th now, Bobby Marks reported that is Dwayne Wade's player option yeah. uh, notification for the Bulls. So, um, And then obviously free agency starts at the stroke of midnight on July 1st. So keep it here on Locked on Bulls. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Bulls. We're on Facebook page at Locked on Bulls. Sean is on Twitter at Hyken. Myself at Cody Westerlin. Uh, most of all, what? Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Make sure you go on there and subscribe. Please go on iTunes and leave us a nice review, preferably five stars. You know, we'll, we'll accept four, but five would be great. Uh, actually, one more thing I want you guys to do: uh, the Chicago Reader is doing their annual Best of Chicago Awards, and the my site, The Athletic, where it's where I cover the Bulls, where you can read all of my Bulls coverage. 
we're nominated in two categories uh, in, in terms of the city life. Uh, if, if you look in like the city life category on the Chicago Reader, if you go in my go to my Twitter, my pinned tweet is a link to this. But we're nominated for best news site and best blog. And voting is open until June 12th. So if you guys could go and vote for The Athletic, it would be great because it would be cool if we won that in our first. Basically, the site has existed for like a year and a half, and you know we're already getting nominated for these things, which I think is pretty cool, but it would be great if we One could One of the win. most beautiful sites out there. It's very Truly, well. like, easiest to use. Absolutely. So if you could do that and also give us a subscription if you're not a subscriber already, we got lots of great content. Myself and Stefan No are covering the Bulls as the draft and free agency ramp up. You know, we've got Sahad of Sharma on the Cubs. We've got Scott Powers on the Blackhawks. We've got James Fagan on the White Sox. Obviously, John Greenberg, you want to read on everything. But, you know, give check us out. Check out 670thescore.com for Cody's stuff. And we will be back with you guys soon. Thanks for listening.